Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. This is a review of many things this week, including the Austrian Grand Prix. It was at the Red Bull ring, but Red Bull didn't win. It was Ferrari, and we're going to discuss that today. But it wasn't just Red Bull and Ferrari on the podium. Another Mercedes podium, another Lewis Hamilton podium. Three on the bounce. Joe and Jimmy are with me, Adam to have a discussion about this and many other things how are you both getting on very well thank you yeah i'm all right uh sir i think i might die recording this podcast because i've had to turn my fan off um so you can actually hear me um i think i'll probably end up i mean i'm already sweating so i think by the end of this i'm just going to be a big sweaty mess i'm also sweating if it makes you feel any better (laughs) (laughs) it's pouring down my face um (laughs) (laughs) we really do need to start filming these things just to show the audience what we go through it's almost like center court isn't it jimmy uh yeah let's say that yeah Definitely, yeah. It sounds like we're doing something promiscuous, (laughs) the way you answered that question. (laughs) But we're not, I can assure you of that. Definitely, yeah. I I imagine it's pretty pretty sweaty on on centre court, yeah. But it's still going. I'd like like some people to bring me towels. No, it's not still going, Jimmy. It finished a couple hours ago. No, there's still a match on. There is a match on, just not the men's final that. I think Joe's Uh. referring to. Anyway, let's talk about the Austrian Grand Prix before we turn even more purple than Helmet Marco after he looks at one of his drivers that's not Max. So, what we'll do is we'll rate that race. Um, So we'll head to you, Joe, first of all. In fact, no, we won't. We're headed to Jimmy. Oh. We're going to head okay. to Jimmy because we went to you last time. <laughs> and I like yeah. I like to be fair. Brilliant. So, um, I'd say an 8 out of 10. Um, I thought it was an interesting... Sorry, you rated Silverstone last week as an 8. And that was... I mean, it was a good, it was a good race, but it was nowhere near that. Okay, so it's 7. seven. <laughs> I told you. There See, you, you tried to not get in a box last week by rating Silverstone too high, but you've managed to get yourself in a box by rating it too low. Because now, I know, yeah. any exciting race, and you, you're going to be giving it like a 6 because you only gave Silverstone an 8, you silly goose. I don't think it through. I don't think it through. Yeah, and I don't like geese as well, just for everybody to know. Uh, he really does it. not sort of stuff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting race. I thought. Um, I thought the Ferraris. I was quite worried, as you said, um, when they said Plan E and they were in the lead and it looked like they were cruising away. I, I didn't quite know what went wrong. I think they did the best to lose the race. I have to say. Um, but yeah, how how do Ferrari always get to Plan E? Anyway, uh, <laughs> Joe, you are a master of geese, as we know from our walking in the, in the canals. Um, but that aside, I I take it that you're probably going to rate it below an eight, unless you're going to rate it an eight because yeah. you rated Silverstone um, a nine. I don't know. We're on tenterhooks. Oh, I um, I'll go. Se- I'll say seven and a half. Um, which, considering I rated Silverstone a nine, not eight, stupidly. Um, yeah, seven and a half. It was a really, really good, interesting race with some fights for the lead, different strategies, good midfield action. Uh, you can't really ask for, for more. 
Um, but yeah, there you go. It sounded like you were describing um, the 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 intonation in your voice was describing your visit to a a good restaurant, like a Pizza Express, like good service good food not too expensive not too cheap and unhealthy it was exactly what you needed from a restaurant and it sounded like you enjoyed the race somewhat as well <laughs> it really was the pizza express of races it, it feels weird now mentioning pizza express because it feels like it's got a, a controversial nature to it nowadays um Anyway, let's not go down that road, because I'm sure you would have too much fun with that, Jimmy, wouldn't you? Indeed, yeah. Uh, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but we won't go into it. Speaking of fun, we've got, oh, we've got a way of summarising this race and it's in oh, a I game forgot about this and it's oh, in a Jesus. game yeah. it's in a game that i like to call no breaks are you lando norris in q3 <laughs> q2 <laughs> i got it wrong oh well <laughs> and, and joe you have sworn um which means that as well as last week's S-bomb, during this game that's coming up, in fact. Um, that means that you've got to donate to twice. To yes, you've got yeah. to donate twice to my running, uh, or my London Marathon charity for the RNIB. Um, so you, you can choose what donations you want to give, of course, but you've got to do it twice. Anyway, we can, we can negotiate that in a bit um, because we have a race to talk about. And in terms of order, I think we'll stick with the the ro the same rotation but this time i'm going to let joe start so i'll be next and then it's jimmy just the actual race um and no breaks begins with joe okay so fairly standard start not really much it um then we saw max verstappen <laughs> pull up into the lead but he wasn't in the lead for long before charles leclerc who was in second place was putting him under pressure charles leclerc had had a smile on his face and he said in the previous sprint race that he was gonna get him and boy did he get him he was right over the back of max verstappen's car and eventually took the lead after what Martin Brundle called gung-ho driving, which I quite enjoyed that description. And I've kind of gone off topic here, uh, and I've lost momentum, so I'm going to hand it to you, you also, uh You also missed George and Perez's crash. I did. George and Perez crashed. Similar to um, who, Jimmy? I'll let you. It was similar to Albon and Hamilton uh, a couple of years ago. And then we go back to the race currently, and we're... <laughs> And, uh, oh dear, I tried so hard. <laughs> it sounds like golf or snooker commentary. <laughs> By the way, I loved your commentator's voice, Joe, last time. It really carried you, so maybe you could do that now. Yeah, but I don't have such a good memory of this one. Um, so, then, the Ferraris pitted a bit earlier than the Red Bull. Um, looked like they were on a two-stop strategy initially, whereas Max was going to try and slug it out to the end on those That's incorrect. hard compound. Yeah. Max pitted early as soon as he'd he? been overtaken by Charles Leclerc, and he was back in the pack, actually trying to make some moves on the likes of Magnussen and Lewis Hamilton while the Ferraris oh, were right. ahead. But 
because Max Verstappen was on the fresher tyres, that meant that he was able to eat into the Ferrari's lead to the point that when Leclerc finally did pit, he would come out behind Max Verstappen. That, oh, I paused too much there. Go on, Jimmy. What happened next? The Ferraris kept going on the hard tyres till lap 27. Then they pitted. Uh, Are you reading this? (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) Good memory, 27th lap. Like, fair play. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only thing I remembered. Yeah, anyway, Joe, it's you. So the Ferraris came out behind Max Verstappen, but they were hunting him down. Your face makes me think it's wrong again. No. I'm just hot. Oh, you... Carry on. Okay. Well, I'm doing that again. Yeah, yeah, carry on. So the Ferraris came out behind Max Verstappen and they began hunting him down, catching and catching. Charles Leclerc passed Verstappen for the second time, um, started to pull ahead, and it looked for all the world like Carlos Sainz was going to do the same, but then burst into flames. Um, very lucky... I said... Uh, and it wasn't yeah. a very good way of putting the car... Out of fire by the marshals. They all stood around watching a car on fire with Carlos Sainz trying to get out. And then, rather than getting the extinguishers to it, they they just stood around watching and uh, like they were in some sort of daze. Or maybe they thought it was one of the Dutch fans' <laughs> orange flares that had been going off over the track anyway. But no, it was a f- car on fire. And it started rolling down the hill and it was all a little bit of a drama. It brought out a virtual safety car, which basically makes all the cars appear as though they're on the same scale electrics track. No one can really advantage or be disadvantaged from that but what it does do is advantage max verstappen and other cars who can pit for a fresher set of tires i think max verstappen and charles leclerc did that they had a big gap back to lewis hamilton who had made his way up to third place from eighth on the grid and that was fairly decent for him he was a little bit lucky with russell and perez coming together as jimmy had talked about earlier Uh, and I feel like I might have just given the victory to Jimmy if he could take it home so uh, the race was going on with Charles Leclerc in the lead however everything was going well and then his brake throttle jammed on I'm not having that he had a mistake hey yeah but I didn't go uh there was I did then. There was a pause and a mistake. Was it I'm was it for that. dramatic purposes, Jimmy? I want the, I want the uh, stewards. Let's, let's go with that. I want the let's stewards. Dramatic purposes, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let Jimmy carry on. Um, black and white flag, though. Right. Hey. Black and white flag. Any more of white. that okay. and you're off. Perfect. So throttle jammed on 30%, which made driving the car particularly difficult, uh, especially into turn three. Oh, dear. I didn't hear that. That's fine. Let's keep going. Um... <laughs> I went, uh, but there we go. Um, right, Joe, you're having this. No. You just said um again. Wow, well, there All you right. go. So, Sorry, Jimmy. Max Verstappen was gaining on Leclerc, gaining, 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 but just ran out of lap. Charles Leclerc managed to nurse the car home through some brilliant driving, finished just about two seconds ahead of the charging Red Bull. Lewis Hamilton came home in P3, George Russell P4, Ocon 5, and Mick Schumacher ran out the top six. Well done, Joe. You could take that victory 
four, no breaks. Everyone give Joe a round of applause. How about that? Stunning, stunning from all of us. Uh, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, but it's still good fun to to look at the panic in Joe's face every week when he remembers he's got to do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Right, I'm going to begin with my biggest winner because I'm greedy with the microphone at the moment. So, Charles Leclerc is my biggest winner. It's obvious. He's not won a race since the Australian Grand Prix back in March. Was it March? April, Must maybe? Must have been. Must have been. Late March, April. It was months ago. And his title rival, Max Verstappen, has had it too easy. Yes, he let Verstappen win the sprint race yesterday, but at least he's finally got a victory back on the board. Maybe that will mean more momentum for him in the coming races as they reach the half point of the season this weekend. You saw how... Uh, uh, Another driver, Mick Schumacher, scored more points this weekend. Might talk about that later. So momentum is a real thing in sport. Uh, but Joe, who's your biggest winner? Do you agree? I think I do agree overall. Um, but, you know, like nice to talk about different things. Um, so I'll go with Haas, who've really sort of... They started the season so well and then they fell into sort of a slump where you sort of saw them sliding back towards being back markers. But the past three races, they've really picked up, looked like they're on form. Mick Schumacher's finally started scoring points. That's two in a row for him. Magnussen bringing it home for the double points finish, uh, managing to stay out of first lap incidents. Um, so, yeah, just a really good. And they've managed to jump out for Towery now, haven't they, into... Uh, seventh in the constructors championship so big weekend for them and if it continues for them then you know they're, they're fighting sort of where you'd expect sort of mclaren and alpine to be as well so maybe they can keep that up so good for gunter absolutely jimmy where are you standing on the biggest winner debate i think it's actually mercedes they had quite difficult qualifying both hamilton and russell crashed um, after looking quite promising. Um, and then Hamilton didn't really have the best... Uh, he didn't have the, the best uh, sprint race. Um, and then Russell, obviously, uh, had a collision with Perez and that caused him to move back to the back of the field. Um, and I think it was a great damage limitations uh, exercise for, from them. Uh, because they keep... I'm looking at the Constructors' Championship at the moment. And um, they keep... They're still in there, to be honest. They're only 70, no, 60 behind Ferrari, considering they've got a much faster car. They must uh, have been the highest scoring impressive. team, at least from the race. Uh, they they will have been. Yeah. But I, also, they've they've outscored Ferrari in the, like, like the last six races. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, even though their car's not firing on all cylinders, um, and maybe this new technical directive about the flaws may bring the, the teams closer together. I don't know how much it affects... The Ferrari and the Red Although Bull. that's been pushed back to Belgium now, hasn't it? Rather than France. Yeah, which I don't quite get, to be honest. Um, if they're breaking the rules, they're breaking the rules. They should source it out as soon as possible, surely. Um, but, but yeah, that's that. Yeah. I guess the argument is that the cars have got to have those updates and it takes a bit more time over the summer break, I, I guess, to get those updates sorted 
Um, but you're right. The, the, the thing about that, and what we're talking about, is what Jimmy explained with his pen last week in his hand um, <clears throat> with the authority pen. The, the whole reason that this has come about, from what I understand, is that the FIA made clear that the teams weren't supposed to be doing something with their floor, like, like Jimmy had explained. Um, basically a flexible floor. However, they didn't actually write it down in the rules, so that was a way that the teams could exploit those rules. It's a little bit like in football saying, right, you really shouldn't pull someone by the shirt, but they're not writing that down as a rule. And then they can't really say, no, you're not allowed to do that, because in the rules, it's not written down. So they've, they've kind of shot themselves in the foot, the FIA there, really. If they didn't want to make it legal, they should have written it down as a legal thing that you, you, you need to follow. It's, it's that simple. But anyway, um, yes, you are right in that Mercedes had a great damage limitation weekend. And also, I think they, they probably would have been quicker, particularly at the beginning of the race, if they had their actual rear wing on rather than their old one. Uh, but it didn't help that they both crashed the car on Friday night. Yeah, that didn't that didn't help them out, did it? Not at all. But anyway, Toto's doing more interviews, so he's obviously confident in some regard. We'll go to you for the biggest loser. I think it's got to be Carlos Sainz. Um, on for pretty much a nailed on second place. Um, he he would have he was so much faster than Verstappen, and you saw the ease with which Leclerc got him that final time. Um, and sort of the implications, not just for this race, but races afterwards i mean that engine properly exploded um so that's going to be presumably written off for the the rest of the season mm. and they only have limited parts so that's a, a fair few grid penalties down the line for him as well so not good certainly not i had carlos Sainz down as my biggest loser for those reasons as well um what about you jimmy yeah i'd have to go for for science as well um he was, as Joe said, nailed on for a second second place. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a very dramatic explosion. I mean, you could actually see in the slow-mo the side pods moving because it was such a big impact or a big explosion. Um, and they're big side yeah, pods. I don't know what quite went. <laughs> as well. They are, yeah. Indeed, yeah. So it must have taken quite a big explosion. Um, but, yeah, it's really bad, to be honest. I mean, Ferrari at the moment, I don't know, it's sort of... Maybe they've gone back to the 1980s with their road cars, um, the sort of reliability they've had. Um, they don't seem to be put together very well. Uh, and yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, not good, is it, at all? Certainly not. So I think that's a rare occasion where we're all unanimous in that decision, Carlos Sainz being the biggest loser. Yes, there were other losers. I can think of McLaren as having a pretty poor weekend. Um, the Orange Army, or some of them... Um, being racist and yeah it's it's not nice to see fans being harassed by um fans at the austrian grand prix a lot of orange army shouting and drinking all weekend i'm not necessarily blaming max verstappen fans yeah but you can do if you want to i mean <laughs> yeah um <laughs> what i would say as well is the thing that i found quite irritating was the flares at the start of the race 
I mean, it wasn't just one or two flares. I mean, you could look on the TV screen. You couldn't uh, see the track. It's just complete orange. Yeah, you couldn't see the track hardly. Yeah, it's just just crazy. Um, but yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, and it's not nice, you know. Formula One's supposed to be an inclusive sport where families go, and a diverse people should be able to enjoy Formula One. Moment of the week, Jimmy. We'll begin with you. My moment of the week uh, was a four five way battle into turn three. It was great. So Alonso was getting very feisty with, I think, uh, Joe Granue, and he tried to overtake him into the last corner, which is a complete no-no. I mean, it's just just crazy. I mean, it ended up in a massive crash. Um, and that caused Mick Schumacher to overtake uh, Alonso, but then in turn, Alonso managed to get past Zhao. So, yeah, incredible. Zhao uh, being racing. Joe, but not Joe on the podcast. Joe. Yeah. Yeah, Joe, sorry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, great bit of... Uh, it, it, yeah, great battle. That's what I'm trying to say. I loved um, seeing that, especially after Silverstone. And it goes back mm. to what Joe was saying last week about real tracks producing real overtaking and real battles in F1. Yeah, it was. It was so good seeing, a, like, five cars just sort of swapping positions like that. Um, it, not just that, like, seeing it, like, in just normal racing conditions. You, like, the last time we saw something like that, I think, was, like, the start of Portimao. Do you remember when the track was just unbelievably slippy and they just would go into the corner sort of five wide? I think it was 2020 Portimao. You didn't used to get that in just normal racing conditions, so to see that... It's really, really good and encouraging for racing. Absolutely. Good shout, Jimmy. Um, my moment of the week was Fernando Alonso halfway on the grass, halfway off the grass, going alongside uh, Yuki Sonoda, leaning over and looking at Sonoda rather than the corner he was driving into, to kind of giving a ticking off uh, wagging his finger at, at, at the young Japanese driver and I thought that that was rather amusing and rather skillful from the Spanish champion so fair play mm-hmm. to Fernando on that one and I, I, I imagine that you enjoyed that one Joe oh yeah it was really good I mean I had two honourable mentions written down in my notes and you two have stolen both of them so thanks <laughs> very much for that um, uh, not but your moment of the week yeah um oh well i'm gonna have to gonna have to come up with one on the spot now you could you could go for the child versus verstappen battle at the beginning of the race no i'll just go with the leclerc verstappen battle um it's the first one we've had in a little while actually um leclerc and verstappen on track isn't it i think um yes for a while so yeah, and when you consider that there are sort of main two championship contenders, um, yeah, good to see them back at the racing at the front. Um, I know we were spoiled a little bit last year with the front two basically being next to each other all the time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always good to have the, the championship fight happening on track, I think. So yeah, that's got to be the moment. Yeah, definitely. And you, you speak of last year's battle, we saw... Hamilton and Verstappen coming together for a brief moment once again. Of course, again, it was because Verstappen had pitted, but it's always interesting to see those two balls in a pen 
eyeing each other up, isn't it? You know when you nod, no one hears you, Joe. Yeah, I thought, I thought that. That's what I was about. That's what I was doing. I was like, oh, I actually have to say something now. Um. <laughs> it doesn't matter, um, because you're going yeah. to give us your honourable mention now. I'll go with, uh, I'll go with McLaren, actually, um, because they recovered really well from a really bad start. Um, to the, did, did you have... That, that goes against what I said earlier about McLaren having a poor weekend. All oh, right, okay. Well, they they were having they they were having a really poor weekend. Um, so it so it looked ninety percent ninety percent of that weekend was absolutely terrible for them. But they actually managed to pull some decent points out of the bag from a from a starting position that wasn't good at all. Um, Norris finished seventh in the end, and uh, Danny Rick finished ninth, um, starting fifteenth and sixteenth. So, from qualifying, that is. Um, mm. Suppose that is possibly part of the advantage of a sprint race weekend. It gives you um, thirty odd extra thirty odd extra laps to sort of recover. Um, so yeah, honourable mention. Great recovery from both of them, really. And to the McLaren fan, Jimmy. Who was your honourable mention? So my honourable mention uh, would have to be Mick Schumacher. So after the points finish after uh, Silverstone, um, previously before Silverstone, he was quite under under quite a lot of pressure. Had a couple of big crashes, uh, probably cost the team an absolute fortune. Um, and yeah, he's he's coming to his own straight away. He had a great battle with Lewis uh, in the sprint, um, and he continued to have a great battle with Lewis in the race. Um, and yeah, he he looks like he's really on fire at the moment, and his racecraft is uh, incredible. Um, and he's putting Magnussen under pressure as well, which I wouldn't see thought I wouldn't thought it would happen. Um, so yeah, have to be Mick Schumacher for me. Yeah, you're spot on there. Right, I had considered doing that one. Um, I would agree with you, but I'm going to try and think of something else quickly. You can do the Alpines. Ocon I... Ocon got fifth, and Fernando got. 10th from last so yeah i think oh yeah alpine is a great shout i i cut my initial thought was i kind of want to give it to martin brundle mm-hmm. go on the reason for that is because he he's clearly got a cold this weekend he, he just didn't sound <laughs> right and to to commentate on a formula one race fair play to him and uh, it's not easy i i'm still recovering from a cold and i i know how difficult talking into a microphone is for an hour he did it for an hour and a half and it was on on tv about an f1 race so as much as the alpines deserve it and they do great drives from both of them i'm going to give it to martin brundle and i hope you don't mind that great shout yeah i noticed he didn't do the grid walk um and i yeah i when i heard his voice he was sandy wick croaky on saturday um so ted did the the sort of grid walk um but yeah i agree with you it, yeah i wouldn't like to be a commentator if we got cold yeah exactly well i guess it's time for the aj on the line line of the week and i'd rather start sad and go to funnier happier ones so i'm going to begin with mine because Daniel Ricciardo had quite a sad one, but it it raises a discussion, so I have to bring it up. Daniel Ricciardo said on the radio to his engineer, Will, I have to keep laughing, otherwise I will start crying. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I'm <laughs> feeling, Daniel. It's just not nice to see, is it? 
Yeah, he scored points. No, not at all. No. But he's he's really struggling. Yeah, it's not. I yeah. mean, it's clear that in his in his uh, pomp, he's one of the best drivers on the grid. Uh, one of the most exciting drivers on the grid as well to watch. Um, so it is a shame. Um, but I don't know. It is looking increasingly likely that it's just not going to work out. There's talk of Oscar Piastri replacing him at McLaren mm-hmm. rather than replacing Latifi yeah. at Williams. What do you yeah. what do you think of that? I think I mean Oscar Piastri's a very exciting young driver. Um has the potential to be in the um Max Charles Leclerc George Russell category. So I mean if I was McLaren, I think it would probably be worth a shot at this point. Um I did see on Twitter earlier that Colton Herta was doing a test for McLaren at Portimao um, as well. So that's another possibility. But, yeah. That would really shake up um, Lando Norris if you had a really quick young gun in in the McLaren team alongside. It would be interesting to see how the dynamic goes there. Yeah. Well, it would be really interesting because, obviously... Lando Norris is probably just like I think you'd put him just outside that group, or at least I would. Um, so as sort of like the fourth most promising youngster on the grid. Not a bad statement to have said about you, but no, but um, but yeah, seeing him next to Piastri, um, who knows? Maybe Lando could put up a good fight, and that would really increase his stock. So could go either way. Certainly could, but it's a shame for Daniel Ricciardo. I don't know. Where he would end up, mm-hmm. maybe IndyCar. I, I don't think he'd fancy Formula E. I wouldn't even be surprised if he retired from motorsport altogether if he stops F1. Maybe, I, I don't. Yeah. He'd be I a know. great TV personality, but you feel like he's got, he should have more to give at the age he's at before he starts mm-hmm, TV stuff. Um, but yeah, he's made his money, so he doesn't need to do anything for the money anymore, does he? So, yeah watch that space it's a shame anyway the aj on the line line of the week can bring many emotions let's go for a different one perhaps from jimmy um mine is from carlos science and it was i'm a little bit lost for words uh and those are the uh posts um race interview uh with the media um and yeah it's a real real shame for him that what happened to him and uh yeah because he was looking for it wasn't looking like he could challenge Leclerc, but definitely would be on for a, a second, second, uh, second place. And and yeah, Ferraris keep happening. That's yeah. It's really the the, the reliability is a real issue for Ferrari. Um, you know, as much as you know, as everybody knows, I'm, I'm not Red Bull's greatest fan. Um, they're very clinical, and when they get stuff sorted, they get stuff sorted properly, uh, and they don't make the same mistake again. Um, and as well as that, I think Ferrari weren't very good with their race strategy. I mentioned that previously, but um, yeah, I was really surprised that they didn't split Science and Leclerc. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things. I'm sure Ferrari got their reasons for it. I don't know if I agree with that. I thought they were all right strategically today. But it's certainly much better than Silverstone. But Science was, com- yeah, I- Science was comfortably going to pass... Um, Verstappen, there's no question about it. It was a it was a pretty much guaranteed one two. If you split the strategy, Verstappen may might have caught signs. You don't know. Yeah, I just thought they. Yeah, I just thought it was quite. Uh, I thought I thought I thought they got it pretty much spot on. It was just unlucky. Yeah, I thought 
Plan E, that's what got me going. Mm. They were on Plan E about 10 laps into the race. Maybe it's to put people off. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, or maybe they just yeah aren't very good at making decisions. Uh, but anyway, I'm not taking a dig at anybody in particular. Well, I am. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and with that, we'll go to Joe. Oh, I'm going to bring up a, an issue that, that we thought was dead with this line, but it turns out it's, ri- it's risen from the ashes, and the line of the week is uh, black and white flag to car number X track limits. Mm. Um, not seen any issues with track limits all year, really, um, which made a nice change from the sort of really ambiguous thing that we had going on for the few years previous but they just seemed a bit all over the place um like three or four drivers got penalties most drivers run their final warning by the end of the race for track limits um we saw Sergio Perez clearly cut the track in qualifying but they didn't notice it till about 10 minutes afterwards by which it was too time it was too late to save Pierre Gasly um so yeah clearly not an issue that's gone uh away um i don't know maybe it's, it seems like it's just a sort of track specific issue maybe they need to paint the white line slightly wider in austria so that the curbs the cars ride aren't a full car width off or i don't know yeah i think it was a a very good point i mean i don't know if you watched the gpc race but they had a quite a lot of issues with with the uh the uh, track limits there um but yeah it just seemed quite bizarre that uh, curbs all yeah it, it's good that they're enforcing it i think um for sure um but yeah, they, as as joe said cars always run wide at austria don't they joe yeah i'd say i think it's just a bit like the curb that the car rides on is just off that it's like just outside that limit um, so maybe they yeah. just need to move the line back because that, that's clearly the line that they just take naturally through that corner. Or potentially put some curbing in which is a bit more harsh on the cars so they don't run over it. I think yeah. the problem is that the curbs are quite gentle so they can run over them. Mm. If they were sausage curbs or something like that, then they could, you know, they wouldn't be a problem. A lot of the drivers were saying that the lines are unsighted so it's difficult to see from the car. But, um, mm-hmm. My dad came up with a great solution for track limits in general. If cars go outside to the white lines, they have to do another lap. That lap doesn't count as part of the race. That would put people off immediately. Hmm. The only problem yeah, that with that... Yeah, that would be quite a severe one. The only problem yeah, with that is that funny well. they wouldn't have enough fuel to do it. Yeah. I think I think that would put people off track limits almost immediately and mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't have it happen all of a sudden. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Dunno. I expect we might get I expect we might get a similar issue in France because it's another one of those tracks where it is just sort of painted white lines and sort of flat curbs. So I, I I've got to pay credit to you, Joe, by using lines as the AJ on the line line of the week. Brilliant work. Um, yeah, that was, enti- it was entirely deliberate. I'd made the connection there. And what I'll also say is speaking of going off the track, I hear that Fernando Alonso and Sebastian Vettel were particularly vocal in the drivers' meeting when it came to the inconsistency of being able to 
cut corners or go or force people off track um, during mm-hmm. battle after Silverstone to the point that Vettel left the driver's briefing uh, before yeah. the end and got fined for it. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think that they're absolutely right. It's not being consistent because Albon got mm-hmm. penalised for pushing Lando Norris off the track. Um, yes, in the same way that Norris had done so in Austria a year ago and got a penalty for. However, Perez didn't get a penalty for doing that to Hamilton and Verstappen didn't get a penalty for doing that to Schumacher just a week ago. And this is the problem with having different race directors in different weekends. You're not going to have the consistency. So that big solution to the Michael Massey problem hasn't necessarily come about. So what are we doing here, as <clears throat> Seb would say? I think it is a big issue. Uh, I think there should be one race director because there's always a difference in interpretations of the rules and the, what people think is uh, acceptable and what people don't think is acceptable. So that's the biggest problem. But it wouldn't it necessarily sort of solve it because as we've seen this weekend, there's inconsistencies within the same corner. Um Mm. So, why why don't yeah. they have two race directors both at the race who can hold each other to account? I don't know. Yeah, I think I mean the whole sort of rules around certain parts of racing are just a bit weird. Um, sort of, I mean, I'm not entirely happy with the way sort of drivers at the moment, if there's a car on the outside, are just sort of driving them off the track, and that's okay because it's quote it's it, it's quote their corner. I think that's. I think they should always have to leave a space on the outside, really. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it it like I said, it kills racing. You, you because when you go go karting, you always get really annoyed by people just barging you into the wall or or whatever, and not leaving enough space. Part of the beauty of racing is that you can go side by side. Uh, around different corners and cut back underneath and and kind of guide people out and leave them just enough room but let them know that yeah it's it's your corner and if you can't get around the outside then that's a brilliant move um because you've shown great bravery uh but yeah you're absolutely right there joe someone needs to step in who will i don't know we've got very high standards for the sport that we love i suppose that's the problem that f1 and the fia have but it's the french grand prix in two weeks time is it not it is indeed which means that we have to do some predictions first of all though i've got to say i predicted two drivers from the top three teams will have failures and i believe sergio perez retired yes with a bit of damage and Carlos Sainz retired with a lot of damage after that fire. So I think I'll take that one. My predictions aren't always that accurate, so be prepared, as I say. My sensible prediction, I think that Mercedes are going to be on the podium. That's a sensible prediction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I mean current form indicates that would be true i've gone for something similar um i've said as my sensible prediction that it will be a genuine six car fight um for the the lead um not making any predictions about what order those six cars going to finish in um but i think france should suit mercedes and mercedes have been knocking on the door um you know they should have qualified about 
second and fourth or something in Austria, really, if you looked at the pace. They were in the fight um, with in yeah. Austria, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think France should suit them because it's a flat, smooth surface, which is what the Mercedes seems to need to operate correctly. Indeed. Jimmy, your sensible prediction for Le Grand Prix de France. My uh, sensible prediction for the, the French Grand Prix is a collision between Verstappen and Leclerc. I think that Leclerc might have to get his elbows out with Verstappen, like he did with Sainz in the sprint race. I thought they were very, very feisty. Uh, a bit too feisty for teammates, I'd have to say. Um, but yeah, I'd say a collision between uh, Verstappen and Leclerc. And the thing is, they could have a collision at the first corner and probably finish the race because they've got so much runoff area at that French Grand Prix track. We'll stay with you, Jimmy, if that's okay, for your bold prediction when it comes to France. My bold prediction um, would be a Lewis Hamilton win. Same. That, that, that was what I was thinking. The sensible prediction is that Mercedes will be on the podium. The bold prediction is that Lewis Hamilton will win. And it kind of goes with your prediction about the front runners coming together, Jimmy. It does, yeah. So it marries together. So Joe will be happy about that. Yeah. There you go. Speaking of you, Joe, what what we saying? I didn't make any prediction to do with what order those six cars that I think are going to be in the fight are going to be in, so I'll just go with something outside of the top six. I'm going to go Williams double points. Ooh, is the French is the French Grand Prix actually going to be good again? Oh, I would I wouldn't go that bold. <laughs> okay, you really do want to get the punters in this week, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I th- uh, yeah, last last time it was a fascinating strategic battle. I believe Joe rated it a six out of ten, for if my memory serves me. I have no idea, mate. Oh okay. It was certainly yeah. better than your average uh, French Grand Prix. It certainly was. So, once France comes, we will speak about that race, and it could be a good one. By the sounds of those predictions, it could be. But before we finish our show, we're going to start a new section this week where Joe and Jimmy they do the takeover um, and they're going to talk about a topic in the sporting world that has caught their attention we will begin with you Jimmy you're in charge my uh, topic for this week uh, will be the tennis as everybody will know it's Wimbledon Um, and it was really good to see uh, a mix of uh, Brits doing well. Um, Norrie got to the semi-finals. Fortunately, unfortunately, didn't get to the semi-finals. Uh, final, sorry. Um, it's a shame Rafa wasn't playing Norrie because he could have been in the final. Uh, but that's the the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, but yeah, great tournament. Um, and there was a new winner in the ladies singles as well. Uh, for, don't know how you say it. Uh, Rabi Anka, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's great one. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it sort of gets everybody interested in tennis, which is really nice. We've just watched the the Kyrgios Djokovic final, and it was cracking, wasn't it? I mean, I didn't watch it. Um, but, How are you bringing uh, up tennis? <laughs> no, because I didn't know what else to do. It's either rugby or I thought tennis would be a good one. Fair, because... fair enough. Well, I I, I could talk about it. <laughs> it Usually yeah, you get man. quite boring Wimbledon finals, whereas it's just go and with serve and then, or, or someone's dominant. And yes, Djokovic won three sets to one, but it was still a great match and 
Nick Kyrgios is always box office. And the thing about him, I know you're you're not a fan of Nick Kyrgios, are you, Jimmy? But no, I think he's a bit of a. To yolk. me, he's he's just honest. He's honest. He will he will tell you his emotions all of the time. And yes, you can't really defend some of the rude things he says, but it's it's kind of endearing at the same time because you feel like you're going on that that roller coaster ride with him. And of course, he pulls off world class shots that you would never imagine someone has the audacity to play. Um, but yeah, of course, everyone's got an opinion on Curios, though, haven't they, Jimmy? They do indeed. Some people, he's very much a Marmite character. I think he does slightly overdo it. I mean, yeah, if you look, go to YouTube, search uh, Nick Kyriosk, uh angry moments, there'll be quite a few of him throwing water bottles at the, the umpire, or well, not at the umpire, but at the umpire stand, <laughs> and them nearly having his their laptop fall on the floor, him going off the court, smashing his rackets on the floor, then walking back very casually like nothing's happened. All sorts of things, arguing with the referee, arguing with players. He basically picks an argument with everybody. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he picks an argument with the door if it didn't open. I mean, yeah, he's that sort of character, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, some people love him. The amusing thing is, Jimmy, you you were saying the other week, wouldn't it be great if you had a Formula One driver that just said whatever was on his mind and uh, he, he went out drinking and, and all of this sort of stuff. Nick Kyrgios is exactly who you were describing and then once it comes to tennis, you're like, well, I don't like Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, I... Th- I don't. I yeah. I do. I do recognise the sort of conflicts there. Um, I just think that he. Peop, yeah, it's a difficult one to sort of analyse and try and explain. But I just think he he's a bit too aggressive, and he just gets too angry. I mean, all tennis players tend to get quite angry. I mean, Murray used to like shout at everybody when he was things weren't going well, and you know, I think Federer and Nadal are the only ones which sort of are pretty cool. Um, Djokovic was yeah, fairly cool Yeah I mean against Norrie who was very fired up And very um, Yeah intense I'd say Because he lost the, the, the first set Didn't he quite Yeah, 2-6 two, two wasn't it Yeah you're right he, he wasn't at the races in the first one But <laughs> I just Just before um, we move to Joe's topic I, I just want to say If we did an AJ on the line Line of the week on tennis one came up during the final um this sunday when kyrios was shouting at the the umpire about someone in the in the crowd distracting him and, and said oh she needs to be removed and and the umpire said well which, which one is she can you help me identify her well <laughs> she she's the one that looks like she's had six thousand drinks <laughs> 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 He's over there. That's quite funny. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that is and quite she, funny. And she got yeah. removed, so it's it's great if if you could have anyone removed from your match, but it could it could mean that no one's actually watching the game at the end. And it was it was lovely sportsmanship between the two of the players after the match. It must be said. If you haven't seen that, go and have a watch. Joe, you're in charge now. The takeover is yours. Right, well, I'll talk about Bazball, um, which oh, is uh, the, uh, the the rebrand of uh, English Test Match Cricket. Um, 
basically after a big run of poor results um we've got new coaching staff including uh brendan baz mccullum who's uh from, he's, he's a former batsman from new zealand known for his quite sort of aggressive style of batting uh new captain in ben stokes joe root obviously still in the team um but yeah and it just seems to have produced this weird instant turnaround where all of a sudden these same players that were that, that couldn't bat they just could not bat england's previous totals in test cricket were basically whatever joe root scored plus about 10 um and now all of a sudden these players are, are smacking it about everywhere scoring at about four runs and over which is fast if you don't know um and yeah for some reason these exact same players can just bat now it's really strange i mean yeah um it's amazing what confidence and in, uh, in your ability can do nowhere is that highlighted more than johnny bairstow who produced some of the best uh innings anyone's ever seen um to basically uh inspire some massive run chases and you've still got joe root who is the best batsman in the world by quite some distance uh also absolutely hitting some yeah. fantastic centuries as well so yeah basball what a what a rebrand so where do we stand with the test cricket season well there isn't mm. really a defined there is the world test championship but it's not really a thing um but england don't play again now until like august or whatever uh, in terms of red ball cricket test cricket um but yeah they they beat um the number one to I, I think new zealand are the number one test team in the world they at least won the world test championship um and then um they had to basically finish um a series against india which started a year ago or so it had to get rescheduled because of covid restrictions um they they drew that um which was the best they could do um so yeah so momentum is in their favor but if they if they're not having game time do you think that that momentum can be kept up yeah definitely i mean um a lot of those players will play in the one day internationals that are coming up um and given that a, England are the best one-day international team in the world and have been for quite some time now. Um, you look at all the, the highest scores and they're basically England's 50-over team. Um, have just absolutely steamrolled everyone for the past seven years or so. So, And if they're playing that and their new test style is very similar to how they play in the one-day international style, uh, they should be able to keep it up. Jimmy, you were just brandishing the, the pen of authority there. So, do you have anything oh, sorry. That you want it, it to add? Yeah, I mean, it's Joe explained it supremely well. Uh, it's just great to see England doing well at a Test series. I mean, there's so many times where they had like two fifty to chase, and they like get bowled out for seventy or something mm -hmm. like that, and it's just so demoralising. It was just a, it was just depressing seeing Joe Root get out, and you you just knew it was over. It was if yeah. if Joe Root hadn't scored. 100 plus the game was just over um i felt really bad for him um because obviously he was captain and he's had to stand down as captain because the results weren't going his way but it was basically anyone but his fault um but yeah it's amazing what this change has actually inspired yeah and i think it's just just great and and for anybody who thinks test cricket is for sort of old men with sort of 
tyres and bright <laughs> coloured trousers. I I honestly don't think that. I think that the test test cricket is one of the best. It is the best format of the game. Oh, Ebbs and flows. I mean, India game. I thought about three times that England were going to lose, and you know it's incredible how it switches so quickly in a session, in a in a day. Um, and I really think we should be pushing it. And another thing I'd like to say, uh, Joe went to the, the cricket, didn't you? At I did, yeah. Free. I did. And what a great initiative that is for all the grounds around the country, giving the final day test cricket free, because it gets people involved, it gets people interested in the game, and it's just brilliant to see. Yeah. I'm really happy where test cricket's going, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, this, it, wasn't, it wasn't bad getting to see England's record run chase and... Um, Joe Root and Johnny Bairstow make brilliant centuries for free, but there you go. Lovely what stuff. What time did you have to get up in the morning to do that, Joe? Oh, I did have to get up a little bit early. Um, <laughs> that was, uh, I had to get up at about half eight in the morning. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> Taxi or... Oh, no, bus. I walked to Edgebaston. It was about a 45-minute walk. A good man. Yeah, it's good, though. Well, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Jimmy. The, those were two escapes... From F1, I suppose, but but yeah, I hope that you enjoyed being in charge of the show for that final bit, and we will be back with more of the takeover from Jimmy and Joe next time we have a podcast episode. Now it's back to me, I suppose, and now that I've got the mic, I just want to say thank you, both you listening at home and you, Joe and Jimmy, for talking to us. Thank you very much. We do appreciate you for listening to this podcast. Um, And if you do want to check out any more content, go over to ajontheline.com or follow us on TikTok at ajontheline or Instagram at adamjw44. Uh, And give us a rating, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you, you listen to your podcast because it does actually make a difference. It shares the podcast with other potential listeners and where else can you have a chat about the austrian grand prix wimbledon the french grand prix and test cricket at edgebaston where else i don't know i can't hear anything it's all gone quiet (laughs) over there as they would say (laughs) and it shall go quiet until we're in france so see you then bon abianto what does that actually mean (laughs) <laughs> I think that means see you soon I got an but... ENG, CSE, French so, uh, yeah <laughs>